This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. I am uncomfortably excited, as we used to say um, back at my old job at Google, about this uh, next episode. And it's because I am really, really passionate about laundry. (laughs) Um, And I'm not sure if you know, but laundry actually has the potential to really, uh, the more that we think about it, the more that we rethink our our laundry uh, routines, these things have a really big impact um, on the planet around us. And actually, the average American family does 300 loads of laundry per year, and each load can require up to 23 gallons of water. So as you can imagine, that type of usage really adds up. So in this week's episode, I'm excited that we are joined by Zachary Posnack, a mechanical engineer turned luxury dry cleaner and laundry content creator. He's going to share some simple swaps that are going to make our laundry routines more sustainable, and I'm super excited. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes. Um, so I wonder if you just tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself and really how you got into your current uh, business. Sure. Happy to. Um, you know, as you said, I went to school for mechanical engineering. After that, I went to construction consulting for hospitality and residential um, projects. Okay. And when that wasn't really going the direction I wanted to, my dad kind of just kept asking. He's like, hey, what do you think? I think we could work really well together. Him and I have a really good relationship. So I was like, you know what? He's a pretty successful business. Let's see if we can modernize it, you know, just, you know, kick it up a notch. Yeah. And that's been the last little over four years. Um, so that's dry cleaning. And then in terms of laundry content, unfortunately, dry cleaners were deemed an essential business in New York State during COVID. Okay. So we didn't have a lot of work to do, but we were forced to stay open. So we got really creative and just started taking a lot of his written blog posts about dry cleaning and laundry and converting that into video. Um, it did take a while to get some traction. YouTube was kind of our our first step, but that was kind of a, a fail and was kind of a good <laughs> failure because it pushed yeah. us into short term, short form. And then uh, here we are. So that's yeah. that's kind of my story. That's exciting. Yeah. So we, um, we found you on TikTok. I mean, you've had quite a few videos, I think go viral just because, I mean, number one, I think there's just so many misconceptions about what types of products that we're using in our clothing. And, you know, we've all kind of, I think, grown up using, um, you know, products that are just not eco-friendly in the least, and we're just not hundred percent sure what's going on. Um, but you also have a really wonderful knack, I feel like, for taking maybe like a kind of an interesting scientific concept and turning it into a quick short form piece of content. And so listeners will um 
We'll link to this in the show notes, but the specific video I'm talking about, the one that really stuck in my mind was um, there's a video where Zach basically lights a piece of fabric on fire um, and it, it catches on fire super quickly because of the amount of fabric softener in there because it was using fabric softener. So, I mean, that to me was just such a, an aha moment. And I, and I wonder too, if um, you have seen, you know, more of these types of insights continue to pop up, you know, in your content creation. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just, it's finding out the pros and cons of a product. And at the end of the day, it's still that person's clothing and their items. So if they want the feel and smell of fabric softener, go for it. But I just really want to kind of educate people on what's kind of going into it, how it affects your clothes, how it affects your body, if you need to be spending money on it or not. So it's just, I'm just trying to play, you know, neutral ground. Yep present all the facts, take it what you want with it. But hopefully, you know, some people learn something along the way and maybe change their habits. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we, we feel the same way around here. I mean, there's just so many different ways that everybody can impact the environment on a daily level, but some things are going to speak to people, others aren't, right? So, I mean, just thinking about the general environmental impact of laundry, I mean, we just talked about the average American family doing 300 loads of, of laundry a year. Um, I think depending on where you are in your life, that can probably go really up or really down, right? Like um, my, um, I just had a daughter about a year ago and we did cloth diapers. So we were washing them at home and obviously we did a lot more laundry than we were used to. Um, and, you know, one of these, one of the trade-offs I kind of thought about when I decided to do cloth diapering was, yeah, is that, you know, is it going to be less uh, harmful to the environment than putting things in the landfill? And, you know, the more research I did, the answer was yes, but that still doesn't, um, you know, control for the fact that, like, I was using a lot of water, right? Like, if the standard washing machine is using about 23 gallons per load, um, while an Energy Star washer is using around 13 gallons. So I'm curious to know, um, Zach, like, how you think about water usage when you, when you uh, talk to people about their laundry routines. Yeah, I mean, you know, minimizing it is is everything, right? Yeah. And that really mostly focused on the temperature of it too, how much energy you're actually putting into your water cycle um, or washer cycle rather. And yeah, it's something to be conscientious of. It, it's tricky too because you never really want to be washing one or two things alone. It's not yeah. a very efficient use of water or energy. We all know that. But unfortunately, there are also drawbacks to really overloading a machine. Um, you know, if something's really soiled, it's... Yeah, likely the stains aren't going to come out as much. So there's trying to find that sweet spot. But again, there's pros and cons of both. You know, if you're really trying to save some time and money, overloading it for something that's not dirty is totally fine. And same thing for goes for underloading. If something's really dirty, you might want to isolate those pieces away from your normal load because you don't really want to get cross-contamination. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the biggest thing right now is just focusing on how do we minimize our water consumption across the entire industry. Yeah, absolutely. And there, well, there's a few things in there that I wanted to touch on. So first of all, just um, water temperature. I mean, tell me a little bit about, you know, I think there's a lot of misconception. I mean, I think everybody's laundry routine is just full of misconceptions. But number one, it's like, okay, I should use hot water. Like, why should we not use hot water? I think the um, the biggest thing, and I have a I have a good video on this too, that's got some wonderful imagery in it, but um, it fades your clothes like crazy. So if you really want your clothes to last a while and look really good, you really should switch to a lower temperature um, because hot water loves to take everything out, including the dyes and colors from your clothing. So mm. 
I ran some pretty interesting tests on fabric swatches that were dyed and, you know, ran them 10 times across different water temperatures. And I could send you some of those photos, which I think are really, really cool. But yeah, mostly too, is that a lot of these bigger companies are reformulating all of their products to work better in cold water than hot water because they are the ones I think really pushing for this, which is really cool. And it's really yeah. nice to see it from the folks that are profiting off of it the most. Um, so, you know, you hear Tide talking about cold water washing and everyone's kind of switching over to it, which is fabulous. But yeah, yeah. in terms of energy consumption, it's all about water temperature. Yeah, no, that that's that's really, really good to know in terms of like, so I, I just actually saw a statistic that was saying that, you know, washing clothes on the cold water setting is actually going to lessen your carbon footprint pretty significantly as 90% of the energy used by the washing machine during your laundry cycle is going towards heating the water. So you're right, not only are we increasing our carbon footprint by using hot water, it's actually making our clothes, you know, less vibrant and less, you know, um, we're, we're just not going to be able to wear them for as long. So it's really just kind of a lose-lose situation. I mean, are there instances when you should use hot water? Like what about sheets and towels and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just to like put it to bed, hot water does clean better, right? It's going to yep. allow that chemistry to work at a higher efficiency and it's going to be much better for stain removal. That's just kind of... That's just kind of the way it works. It's kind of like any type of cleaning product. Um, so I would say use it sparingly with something that's really soiled. Again, if you maybe have a couple pieces that are really dirty, put them to the side, you know, put your stain removers on it, wash it with hot water with a high quality detergent, and you're good. But I'd say for 90% of your loads, try switching to cold. The results are marginally different. You know, I'm talking a couple percentage points in performance from my own testing. Um, so it's just not really worth it sometimes. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. And so you're right. I think um, it's it's something that people just need to be aware of. And I totally agree with you that it's really, really exciting to see these big companies um, talking about detergent use and, and, and thinking about it that way. And so um, while we're still on the topic of the washing piece, because I know there's a lot to talk about when we're, we're thinking about the drying piece, but let's get into like the, the, the actual detergents, the fabric softeners, et cetera. So one question that I had for you is, we get this question actually a lot um, at Brightly, which is, shouldn't I just make my own uh, detergent? You know, like what about my grandma? She used to grate up some, you know, Fels naphtha and all these things, and, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to make my own, you know, and it's like, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know about that, but I'm curious to know, like, tell me a little bit more about like quality detergent and, and walk us through that. Cause I, cause we get this question all the time. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll try and give it the, this most simplistic answer that I can. But unfortunately, yeah. it's it's got so many variables and different constraints and ways you can go about it. Because, yeah. you know, at the side of making your own detergent, you know, a lot of people don't factor in their time for shopping, shaving down Fels naphtha, putting it together and like that, you know, you got to put, a, you know, a value on your time and how much yep. you spent actually doing that. So we'll kind of put that in its own box. But from what I've seen just in performance, I mean, a lot of the more like hygienic focused detergents right now are wonderful. But again, then you start getting into, are these ingredients safe? Well, I don't really like that they're using all this virgin resin plastic in their packaging. Yeah. Um, so it's all these different trade-offs of finding kind of a happy ground, you know, not to mention price, because a lot of these really high performers are expensive. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think, really just kind of finding what the best fit is for you. I would really avoid trying to use or making your own laundry detergent. I think there's wonderful supplements like 
borax and yep. washing sodas and things like that, which can soften your water. If you have hard water, I think there's wonderful things like oxy boosters that can help correct color. But I would leave the detergent and soap aspect to the people that spend hundreds of millions of dollars researching it every year. I just, yep. <laughs> at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to like my engineering is just like, I, I'm not going to be able to beat this, you know, team of a hundred researchers who have PhDs in chemistry. Yes. It's just not going to happen. So I'm going to let them do their thing and I'm going to, you know, curtail my little recipe that I do for each load <laughs> differently. You know, That's right. That's right. Well, no, I'm so glad that because I, I always had the same thought process there. And the other thing I was going to say is I don't know how much exposure you have to the cloth diaper community, but they are very, very passionate about cloth diapering and laundry. And there's actually a Facebook group. There's, I think, a few Facebook groups, but there's a huge one where people can literally go on and say, look, here's my, here's the type of washer I'm using. Here's the routine I'm using right now. And my diapers don't seem like they're getting clean enough. And they literally have people who are like, you know, just savants going in there and like trying to troubleshoot people's laundry. But one of the things that's always a hot topic is detergent. Um, And people, there are, I think, because cloth diapering is more eco-friendly, there's a lot of people in there that are looking for more like homegrown type things. And those Facebook group moderators are so quick to be like, no, like you have to use actual detergent if you want to get rid of human waste on fabrics. Um, And it's so it's just always been kind of funny where there's a little bit of a duality where people are thinking, well, I want to be more eco-friendly, but you're telling me that like Tide powder actually works the best that you've seen or whatever. So it's kind of, that's kind of what got me thinking about it personally, but I've gone through myself so many different types of detergents trying to figure out what works best for my family. Um, and you know, we, we have a different, I have a different routine for our cloth diapers compared to everything else, because you're right. The, the detergents matter and they can be expensive. Yeah, absolutely. I think I got to sneak into these, uh, diaper communities and maybe become a moderator for the yeah absolutely (laughs) you know spend some free time doing that Um, yeah yeah they would love it (laughs) it's eye-opening I had no idea there was such discussions going on about about cleaning that's great it warms my heart honestly um (laughs) yeah I don't know it's tricky you got to find the sweet spot and look everybody's water is different washes are different clothing skin there's just so many variables that are specific to you as a person so it's kind of trial and error I mean there are tried and true things that work um, you know, I've been really focused on the last couple of years of kind of like objectifying the data of cleaning products and their performance to know that, okay, you know, so-and-so detergent is not performing very well compared to its competitors. And yeah. like, that's kind of dictates my decisions with it. You know, I have my really aggressively strong detergents that I use for heavily soiled pieces, but then I have my delicate washes that I know are, are mild in comparison for things like my gym clothes, which it's just a little bit of sweat. Yeah. You know, I don't have food on it. There's no grass stains, there's no mud. I know what the dirt is. So it's yeah. like I do have a couple different routines similar to you where I kind of, you know, ebbs and flows based on what's going on in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think we all kind of have our favorite detergents. Um, you know, I am curious to know a little bit about your thoughts on, we don't have to go into specifics about brands and things, but I'm curious to know about, I, we also get questions around concentrated detergents, right? So um, listeners, just to kind of level set, right? Like when we think about our old laundry detergent that we grew up with, right? It usually came in a big giant jug. You had to use a decent amount of it per wash. Um, And now we're starting to see manufacturers overall, they're decreasing those sizes, even if it's not like super, super concentrated, right? They are starting to 
put more and more, I guess, um, you know, I suppose ingredients per ounce or whatever. So we are getting to a place where stuff is getting more concentrated, but I've even started to see seventh generation is one actually that I've seen used. Um, they have this like new thing out where it's like, I mean, it almost looks like the size of a water bottle and it's like six times concentrated and you just have to use a little squeeze. So curious to know if you've had um, any experience um, playing around with like differently concentrated detergents. Believe it or not, I have. Um, as I talk <laughs> uh, to you, yeah, I'm that was kind in a of room. a silly yeah. question. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm literally looking around right now. I have like 70 different laundry detergents around yeah. me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ones that come to mind are uh, the most concentrated one, I think, in terms of dosing would be, um, blank for a second, Dirty Labs, which comes okay, in very yep. similar to what you're talking about with 7th Gen. It's a very, it's, just, it's a small water bottle, it's a metal bottle. Um, it's super concentrated. You're only using like, I don't know, how to be like an ounce, like a, like tablespoon, a tablespoon, you know, yeah, it's not much. Yeah. Really, really petite amount, which is great. Um, and it, it cleans pretty well. And they also pair it with this booster, which also has enzymes and oxy boosters in it, which again are tackling both stains and the color correcting your clothes, which is really cool. So I like their approach. And then, um, I think at the opposite of the coin, what's really been pushing this is the detergent sheets companies. Yes. There's like 10 of them by now, yeah. but their main marketing kind of campaign is, you know, stop paying for water. You're wasting it by shipping across the country. It's, you know, bad for packaging, which is great. And I think it's kind of forced the industry to kind of really look back and say, you know what? We are shipping a ton of water across yeah. the country for no reason. Like, what, how much more can we concentrate it? And I think the best and most common example of that are laundry pods, which are in my testing is the most effective and somewhat of the most concentrated detergents you can get out there. Are the pods. So even more so than like those strips. Yeah. Like you mean the strips, like the sheets yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, we don't need to get into it, but I, I, I love the sheets, apparently they started in Korea um, a couple of decades ago and they finally made their way over here in the last couple of years. But I think they're really in the kind of basic and first iteration of yeah. their formulas right now. And they just really are not performing uh, where they should be for their price point and the market share they're looking for. And it's just one of those things where I, I'm rooting for them. I really am. And I can't wait till they compete with the big boys. But right now, it's just not something I would I would spend money on, unfortunately, yeah. they just don't really clean super well. I totally agree. I have, I've had the same um, experience that we get sent a lot of, a lot of different eco-friendly products to try out here at Good Together and Brightly and laundry is, you know, a huge one and I've tried them all. Um, and yeah, I, I also feel like the, the strips or the sheets, again, also rooting for them, feel like they have a lot of potential, but I'm not seeing quite the, quite the performance I'd like either. Um, and on the subject of pods, because I like pods, we love drops. Um, that's one of our favorites here at Brightly and Good Together. I think they do a great job. Um, but, you know, then people, the, you know, the the terrible commenters on on social, which you probably, you know, exactly who I'm talking about when, I, when I'm saying that, right? But there's people that kind of like get all up in arms because they're like, oh, these pods have plastic on them. Like, how do you respond to that? Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not actually dissolving. You know, people say that on social. <laughs> I know it's it's a really big question and unfortunately like I think the people who really need to have those answers which is like literally the um, EPA and the FDA like don't really have them yet because yeah. this discussion has started so recently and the velocity of it I think really kind of blew blew me away it sounds like it kind of took you by surprise too and I'm I'm again I'm while 
they could maybe phrase their comments in a much nicer way. What they're saying <laughs> does have a lot of truth in it. And there's a yes. lot of good questions that are being asked. Um, I personally have been like writing a piece on this for a long time and kind of gathering everything I can because you got companies like Blue Land, which are yep. basically taking fire at P&G and the big ones about, you know, does it actually dissolve in wastewater? Oh, it needs 28 days before the microbes really break it down. And it gets really, really technical really, really quickly. Yep. Um, so for someone like me, who's not a chemist, it's taking a while to get through it, but I'm kind of just staying out of the fight right now to like yep. kind of present what at least is out there because it sounds like there's a lot of confusion and just a lack of information about what's going on. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there are, I mean, I think there's also a very big, I mean, look, nobody likes single use plastic and, and I'm, I'm, I hate it myself, right? It's, it's something that I try to really get rid of out of my life, but there are instances where, you know, plastics are just so ingrained into our, our systems. Sometimes they, they are exit, you know, we're running into them. So I agree. We need more answers there. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's terrible. I, I think that uh, you're right. We need, we need the government to step up and give us some answers. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to reading your piece. How cool is that? Um, we, so we talked about, we kind of briefly went into this, but I'm curious, we'll, we'll talk about the big fabric softener question in just a second, but before we get there, what about, um, boosters and oxy uh oxy boost oxy clean i actually i do use a small spoon of um nelly's oxygen brightener um in my loads because i like that nelly's comes in bulk and in a little tin but is that actually helping like should should we recommend that people add a little bit of oxy booster or enzymes into their uh, washer uh, washing routines yeah absolutely um it's not gonna hurt the only time you need to avoid using enzymes with your clothes is using any time of protein fiber so mm. silk wool cashmere um an enzyme doesn't know the difference between a food protein stain and a textile protein so it's just going to eat both of them so oh, wow avoid okay that. yeah but for basically any other fabrics, you know, your synthetics, your cottons, things like that, totally go for it. Again, reading the care label is really important. Um, yeah, I, I always put in same thing. I actually got a bunch of stuff from Nelly's this week. Love their packaging. Um, their oxygen bleach and brighteners are wonderful to add to any type of load and just for uh, definition's sake. So those oxygen bleaches are also known as color-safe bleaches. Another yep. commonly known example is hydrogen peroxide. I'm sure you and your viewers are very well educated on that. But the better, the higher the temperature you can get those environments into, the better those oxygen bleaches are going to work. So you talked about it a little bit before about whites and using hot water. Um, what I would prefer to do is... You know, if I have a sheet set that's white, maybe I'm doing all my white clothes, whatever it is, I'm going to treat those stains specifically, let it sit for a while, wash on cold water with, you know, whatever I'm putting in that washer load. And then after, you know, again, I'm a little nuts about laundry. So I would <laughs> take those clothes out while they're still wet before I dry them, put them in a bucket or a sink, depending on the size, hot water, as hot as you can get, and then put about half a cup of that oxygen powdered oxygen bleach which is sodium percarbonate and sodium carbonate um into that water mix it up and let it sit overnight um it takes ages to work so it's going to take eight hours plus to really start seeing effects and it loves yeah. hot water so that's what i would do you're kind of avoiding any textile damage by washing it in cold water and then doing the actual color correction in hot water mm. Interesting. I like that tip. I mean, I do think I've heard of there are some washing machines that have 
some kind of like soak soak situation. I've been hearing this in the cloth diaper community, so maybe we'll see more of those. But you're right. I think that's an interesting sort of hack for that um, problem. Okay, so let's get into fabric softener. I actually am very, the reason why we don't use fabric softener at my house actually predates any of my eco knowledge about it. But we we really haven't used it for a long time because I can't stand the smell. So I'm like very, very like sensitive to smells. I always have been. And my husband and then now our daughter, they've got really bad eczema. So we've always been trying to avoid any kind of scents. And I just felt like every time I went to go find, use a fabric softener, there was a nasty smell or, you know, the smell of childhood, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but I just, I didn't want it. Um, and then I also, when I realized what I had taken it away, I was like, I don't miss it. You know, <laughs> like, I don't think it was doing anything. So let's talk a little bit about it. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of people, well, not don't know. Yeah, they just don't know that fabric softener kind of came to be um, kind of halfway through the 20th century because cottons were really stiff and scratchy for a while. They were mm. miserable to wear yeah, and were really uncomfortable. So, you know, basically we have this emulsified form of tallow and fats that increase the surface area of your clothing and the textiles and then they feel nice and soft. Um, but, you know, there's lots. I personally think there's more cons than pros for fabric softener. Um, but again, you know, some people are just obsessed with that nostalgic yeah. feeling and smell of fabric softener and they're just, that's what they want. So they're going to keep using it, which is totally fine. Um, you know, it's not something that I use and there's definitely some really cool other ways to recreate that both touch and feel just through other products, which I don't really think is the biggest kind of change of routine that I think, you know, I think people think it's going to be this awful shift and it's going to take hours long to do their laundry, but like a couple different swaps. And I think yeah. you're, you're golden here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so with the video that we're talking about, um, and you, you showcased a piece of fabric, you lit it on fire and it really caught, um, you know, it was very flammable. Um, and it was because you had put some, some fabric softener. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, particularly as people are, are thinking about, you know, trying to take better care of their clothing and maybe they're doing, um, they're, they're washing their kids clothing. Like how does fabric softener potentially lead to more flammability? Right. Cause it, it, there's no way it's going to always do this, but I'm curious to know about that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where fabric softener is designed to be single use, right? So you wash it and then it works best if you actually don't tumble dry your clothing. Um, huh. It actually, most of it gets eaten up in the dryer. That's why they pair it with dryer sheets that have. So dryer sheets are just paper towels with fabric softener sprayed on them. That's uh -huh. it. Ah, okay. So yeah, no secret there, but basically you have to do both for it to really work because if you just use fabric softener in the wash and not in the dryer, then you just kind of burned it all up. But um, I mean, literally says on the bottle, it says, you know, excessive use on your clothing can increase flammability. I mean, it's a warning that the makers are aware of, um, you know, people have passed away from this phenomenon. It's pretty brutal, um, mm -hmm. but it's just kind of the honest truth of it. So yeah, it was just something I was kind of thinking about one day and I was like, I wonder how much, how much more flammable it is. And it was, uh, it was one of those experiments where like, geez, I did not expect it to go this well. Or well, it was shocking, right? Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Um, and I, but you know, what's nice about it is I like that you were approaching and you approach all of your content from a, you know, uh, a scientific or experimentation mode versus a, 
like, let's get everybody really angry about fabric softener, right? You're literally just like, I want to see what's going on. And so I think that was what was so interesting about that video was like, you weren't literally trying to shock people. It was just like, this is what it is. (laughs) You know, like, I'm not over here trying to manufacture something, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't sell anything. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not subscribed to any companies. It's just, I'm just, you know, trying to just show off as much as I can so people can make their own educated decisions. And maybe when they're buying something next time, they, you know, that video plays subconsciously and they're like, you know what, maybe I'll try something different this time. Yeah, And they might like it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, And before we start talking a bit more about the dryer and kind of like wrapping things up, I had one more question that we got right before this episode um, recording. And so at Brightly, we really like to talk about utilizing different types of fabrics. So, you know, modal, tensile, bamboo, um, all these different new, um, you know, more more eco-friendly fabrics. They're not the most eco-friendly, but sometimes people ask us questions about caring for them. So do you ever have recommendations for people who are, are using um, more of these, uh, you know, new types of uh, sustainable materials compared to cotton? Any any tips on, on laundering those? I would say I think a lot of those brands that are making those new materials are definitely going to be way more conscientious of ensuring that the care of those is, you know, the instructions are better than maybe kind of yeah. a typical care label. So I'd yeah. say really take a look at the care label. If you can't read it, there's plenty of literature online to help you decipher those symbols. Um, but the biggest advice that I always give, you know, people in my audience, people at work is just you can just test a little area, a hidden area. So like go underneath the hem on the underside of your garment mm-hmm. or something and test it with what you're going to be cleaning it with. So water and a little bit of detergent, you know, rub that in, let it sit for 10 minutes. If the color is fine, if it's not distorted, if there's no hole, I would say go for it. But that's something I always do personally because I do a lot of the specialty cleaning at my job and I'll yeah. always test things. So, you know, what? I've never cleaned a mirrored leather jacket before. Let me test this first before <laughs> I have to buy this for somebody. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who, you know, there's different pockets of the internet where you have people that are buying lots of bamboo clothing for their kids like me and it's expensive. We want to make sure it lasts for a long time. So we do, you know, cold water, make sure we're air drying. And actually that kind of goes into our, our next topic, which is drying. And I think you already have touched on this to an extent, but we, I think we all know that using a dryer is going to use more electricity um, and air drying if possible is definitely the way to go. Um, And, you know, there are so many places around the world where they just, I mean, air drying is a total way of life, but I'm curious to know how you think about, um, you know, air drying and, and maybe a lot of times people are like, Oh, but it makes my clothes so stiff compared to being in the dryer. It's like, how do you have that conversation with people about air drying? Yeah, I mean, you know, certain fabrics, most of your synthetic fabrics are going to come out of the washer almost basically dry to the touch. I mean, that's yes. what they're designed to do. They're not they're not hydrophobic per se, but their wicking properties are incredible. So, mm-hmm. you know, for in terms of the longevity of those types of synthetics, air drying them, it's super easy. Throw them on a hanger, throw them on your hanging rack. They'll be dry within the hour, most likely. Um it is tricky with some of the more heavier weight things like towels. You know, I made the mistake a couple of years ago of trying to air dry some towels, but things with, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before too. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not great. with a larger <laughs> weave or a nap really needs that kind of tumbling action. But what you could do, what I think might be a really nice kind of 
in between is, you know, line dry to actually perform the function of getting that water away. And then you can also tumble dry without heat on a lot of dryers. So again, very similar to how we're reducing our energy consumption in the washer by 90% from switching from hot to cold, you can use basically very little energy in your dryer by just having that tumbling action. So throw some tennis balls in there, some old dryer balls to help keep some space. Um, yeah, some things just need to be kind of fluffed up and agitated a little bit, to be honest with you. Yeah, okay. Well, then that makes sense because you're right. I think there are there are items where, yeah, I've tried and it's been a total fail, but it, you know, it, it's not necessarily because air drying doesn't work. It's because you're right that the weave or whatever, it kind of needs some additional love. Um, so, you know, for the things that you are going to put in the dryer, right? Oh, and the, I think you, I think you touched on this, but the other thing I'd say listeners is, you know, a lot of my favorite pieces of clothing, specifically like some shirts that I love or, you know, the things that I just love to wear day in and day out. I've just really, really, I know it's a pain to air dry, but man, they last so much longer, right? Like you, I do feel like you're preserving the fibers a little bit more. Like they're just not getting, I don't know, heated up and you just, uh, just ruined or whatever. So I've personally found it to really increase the um, longevity of my pieces. Um, and I, I'm sure this is something you've experienced as well, Zach. Yeah, it is. And honestly, the most immediate kind of benefit you're going to get from using the dryer less is way less static. So mm. most of the time people, the main argument I get when it comes to um, dryer sheets and fabric softener as well, I hate static. And I, I totally get that. And I'm trying to figure out different processes to kind of mitigate that issue. But static can only exist in the complete absence of moisture. So that happens when you completely over dry something. And again, our dryers have sensors, but they're not that great. So what I like to do is always stop the dryer like two to three minutes before it's done and take my clothes out while they're still a ti the tiniest bit damp because there's gonna be no static at all, um, which is really, really wonderful. Um, so that's kind of an immediate benefit that you get from drying your clothes less too, is just not have to constantly deal with static. That's so interesting. Yeah, I guess maybe I just have too much going on in my life. I haven't really ever thought about static very much, but you're right. Now that you're mentioning it, very interesting. <laughs> um, so as we think about, okay, we're, we're air drying what we can, um, and we are utilizing every available surface in our house to air dry things like we do at my house, um, all of the chairs, everything. Um, there are still some things we need to put in the dryer. And so one of our favorite swaps that we like to recommend at Brightly is to use dryer balls instead of dryer sheets. And I know this is something that you love as well. Um, and actually, I didn't know about dryer balls until I started, you know, thinking about eco-friendly laundering. Um, I actually wasn't even sure, like, why I should use them. But somebody gifted me some and I put them in the dryer and it was just, in addition to being funny, cause it sounds, it kind of sounds like people are stomping around in your house. So we, we, we all had a good laugh, but you know, like I did find that, um, the clothes got drier a lot faster and they seemed more, I don't know, fluffy. Right. So uh, curious, like, what do you think about dryer balls? <laughs> I like them a lot. Um, yeah. most of the time they're made out of wool and for yeah. all my people out there who are allergic to wool, like my sister, um, there mm. are vinyl dryer balls out there. So unfortunately it's plastic, but you know, kind of give and take there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what you're saying, you know, it, from a fundamental functionality point, it makes a lot of sense, you know, especially with heavier items like sheets and towels, which can get kind of balled up. Having some type of ball in there is going to help them stay separated, which will be really nice because we want as much even 
drying as possible. And that's something that I do at work at a dry cleaner. You know, we're always drying and washing things with these mesh bags, like just like a hundred mesh bags in every load. And that's keeping space between everything that's adding mechanical actions, the clothes Mm. actually rubbing against each other. But again, just allowing there to be other spaces for clothes to go into and just stay nice and even because there's nothing worse than getting your sheets out and your fitted sheet is half dry. Your top sheet is a complete mess and your duvet cover is perfect. Um, So dry rolls definitely, you know, they have their use. Um, I think they're really good at speeding up dryer times, but yeah, unfortunately they don't really, um, they don't really help a lot with with static, right? Because they're they're not really adding anything besides kind of a mechanical action in there. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to know. Um, and so, yes, if you are really looking to avoid static, we already (laughs) just put air dry your clothes, right. Or air dry what you can. Um, and then speaking of little, um, you know, gadgets to put in our laundry routine, um, you know, I'm curious to know more about if you, if you use, if you've tried to use a microfiber catching ball, like a Cora ball. Um, and the reason why is, you know, we, we do know now that a lot of clothing can come with microplastics. Um, so there's microfibers that are breaking off your clothes and they do get in your washing machine. So have you ever tried using, um, you know, microfiber balls in your, in your washing routine and are, and if so, let us know how it went, but also is it going to damage our clothing? Like we, people ask me that all the time and I'm like, I don't think so, but let me look into this. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. Um, drops one of the, you know, more well-known laundry detergent companies they sent me one i think it's like the cora ball or something yeah cora Mm -hmm. yeah i'm holding it right now i actually haven't used it before because i just was kind of fascinated by it but i do you know in my everyday cleanings i'm using you know 50 microfiber towels a day so it's definitely something i could explore more but to be frank with you i haven't tried it out yet i can't speak to it um if it works i'd I'd be thrilled but yeah i'm also have the same concerns as you as i got this big plastic ball you know, playing with my clothes, is it going to maybe damage something more delicate? Yeah. Uh, and, and so listeners, I, I have used a, it a little bit. I actually haven't noticed any long-term damage, but, you know, again, I can't speak to that from a scientific perspective. Um, and so I have, and the other thing that I will say um, is I myself in using it, haven't seen a lot of microfibers on the ball at the end, which you're kind of supposed to. So again, right. we're not saying that it doesn't work, but we're saying like, TBD, it's a good thing to experiment with. Let us know um, if you do that. Um, so we're kind of coming up to the to the end of our, our time together, but I, I think we've already given a lot of really good shout outs to some of the detergents we like, um, the additives. We didn't talk a lot about um, stains and stain removal, but um, I noticed in our show notes that you like Puracy and I love Puracy. They're my favorite too. <laughs> so what do you like to use from them? Um... I really like their stain remover. I think it's wonderful. They have six different types of enzymes, which, you know, kind of breaks down a really large array of stains from body odors to watermelon to grass stains, which is really, really nice. Um, I'd say the one thing to keep in mind with stain removal is the longer that stain remover sits on the stain, the better it's going to work, especially these very heavy focused enzyme stain removers. So spraying it on five minutes before the wash really isn't going to do anything. Spraying it on. Once you get that stain, put it in your hamper and do your laundry two weeks later. That's honestly a much better kind of habit to get into than the other way around. I Um, I was going to ask you, so there's, so yeah, there's really not any downside to letting it sit on there longer. That's, that's good to know. 
Yeah, really no downside. Um, obviously, you do run the risks of like, you know, you could discolor something if it's not dye fast. But then again, you're probably going to run into that issue regardless of yeah. putting that product on it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The other random, randomly good stain remover that I found lately. So we we have this product and we, we sell it at Brightly, but I like use it on everything. It's a um, it's a cleaning solution that is basically ozone. Like that's kind of what I've oh, really? um, what I've realized. It's a little at home ozone creator. So basically you put some water in this um, device. It's called force of nature. Put water in the device. They give you a little capsule that's basically full of salt and vinegar. You press go and it basically creates something that smells like bleach. Um, but again, I think it's ozone. Um, and so what's nice about it is, I mean, it disinfects. Um, you can really spray it everywhere. You're not going to see any kind of like bleaching effect. But I have actually found that it works pretty well in removing stains from clothing. Um, just because I've got a, a baby and sometimes I'm just like, you know, spray on whatever. And it does seem to work really well. Um, and, you know, I guess ozone is not a new concept to large scale laundry uh, facilities, right? <laughs> no, not at all. It's yeah. probably the best uh, odor remover. We use it more in a gaseous state, to be honest. So usually mm. we have ozone chambers. Um, okay. Something's really stinky. We basically put it in what looks like a sauna for clothing. Usually it's a cedar <laughs> box. Uh, we'll stick it in there overnight, you know, set the ozone machine up and it runs and creates ozone, you know, O3, same thing in our atmosphere. And after that, it smells like your luggage after a plane ride because it's yes. the same exact thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> That's a great way to explain. I, I Everybody asks me what it smells like. I'm, there you go. Luggage after a pr- plane ride. <laughs> Yeah, but I really, I'm very curious about this force of nature. Yes, um, we'll send you one. We'll send you one after this. You can right. play around with it. There, I am obsessed. It's it, it's a great um, it's a great like alternative to I mean you know any kind of countertop sprays, but it also does seem to work pretty well for laundry. So yeah, we'll we'll get one over to you. But uh, Zach, I've had so much fun talking with you about this. Like I said, I could we could probably talk about this for two more hours because I think <laughs> absolutely. You know, I really think that uh, there's so many untouched vectors of sustainability as we think about conscious consumerism. And I, for me, laundry routines, while they can seem boring or arduous to a lot of people, they really do have the potential to make a big impact on the planet, whether we're thinking about our energy consumption, the chemicals that we're using, or even just like making your clothing, your your textiles last longer, because there's nothing worse than like, you know, using something for a short amount of time and you actually like it, and then it just degrades. Um, and we've all done that. Like, who can remember when they gave their mom like a favorite shirt, and it got washed and dried on high, and you ended up with like a toddler size shirt? You know, like we've all had that experience, and it's just gutting. <laughs> so I, I do think that this does matter, um, and it, it's something that I'm personally very passionate about. But listeners, we will include links to um, Zach's TikTok um, account because you'll love it, um, and. Is, is there anything else you kind of wanted to share with the audience in closing um, as you think about really the impact um, that maybe your work um, is, is doing or even just it, some maybe observations that you've seen going on in the ethical and sustainable movement right now? To be honest with you, I've just been so, so overjoyed with the increased complexity of the questions that I get. And I've only been doing this for two years. And it's almost like it seems like a large part of this, the cleaning community audience has kind of understood the fundamentals now and are really starting to kind of question what they know and yep. what they maybe thought to be true and start to push push it a little bit. And they're like, well, if I use this, can I maybe use this instead? And it's just like, it's so nice to see people 
experimenting and doing this trial and error and saying, well, maybe I could do it a bit more sustainably or with a colder temperature and really kind of throw out all of their kind of maybe unfavorable traits and processes that they used to do. So it's just really, it's a really positive kind of outlook right now. Use cold water. Um, yes. <laughs> Use but, cold water, please. <laughs> but, but keep asking questions and keep yeah. kind of questioning things because that's what's pushing these really massive multi-billion dollar companies to change their formulations and all of their products. So just, I don't know, keep it up. Just keep asking. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been so great chatting with you, Zach. Um, I will see you in the clock diaper uh, Facebook group uh, very soon. I'll send you I a will. link. Please invite me. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks so much. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.